Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from November 6th by Brother Todd Burgess, titled Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 through 26. All right, if you have your Bibles, let's go and open up to Matthew 5, and as we read, we'll be in verses uh, 21 through 26, focusing on verses 23 through 26 today, and, and so... One thing as we've been going through dealing with anger, I hope, and I haven't, I haven't really brought this out, but I hope what you're seeing here is how God very much, he holds up life, the sanctity of life. And when anger without a cause takes place in a person's life, what that really does toward the one that they're angry with, they actually begin to devalue that person's life in their own mind. And that's why ultimately they're able to, they go to the point of if it goes on and on and on to where they even take, a lot, take the life. And so this, this, this is about the sanctity of life as God sees it and why God says it's, it's not right to be angry. We need to get that anger under control. Otherwise, we end up like Cain who refused the advice and the, that God had talked to him about, and he ended up taking his brother's life. And see, that's something that's so real. When we look at God's Word and we see how Jesus here in his teaching, is he's expanding the Word of God to the true interpretation of the Word of God. We need to understand that. We need to get away from our own interpretations. We need to get away from our own perceptions and traditions and, and reality and see things from God's perspective. And that's what Jesus is doing here with his disciples as he is teaching them about all that God is, about the Spirit of God, about God the Father, God the Son. He's teaching all these things to his disciples. And so... It's important that we understand that it's not simply external sinful actions that, that, that we should be concerned about. Yes, those external things should be, they need to be condemned and dealt with. But until we recognize and the internal attitudes and motives that led us to those sinful actions, folks, those sinful actions are going to continue to take place. They're going to continue to grow and grow and grow. And there'll be no change that'll take place in a person's life. See, in dealing with sin, the real issue is that internal heart, that internal attitude that's behind every sin. And we need to realize, as Christians, we're the ones that have the answer. Because the Holy Spirit of God lives within us. And it's the Holy Spirit of God in us that is working out that change. We just merely need to allow him to do that. You know, you and I are the only one that can stop the movement of God in, in my life. I'm the only one that can stop him in my life. You're the only one that can stop him in your life. We need to stop stopping what God wants to do. Because the Holy Spirit wants to bring change to, our, to the attitude of sin that is continuing to grow within us. And again, what stops that is our own selfishness, 
our own self-righteousness, where we want to sit there and say, well, I am justified for how I'm feeling right now because of what they did or did not do. And folks, that has caused disruptions and splits within churches, among families, everywhere. And we as the church must move away from that. We must move away from that to the point that we recognize that there's people around this building that do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and the only one they're going to hear it from is you, their neighbors, who hopefully are living the God-fearing life, who's not afraid to share with them the truth of who Jesus is. But unfortunately, I believe in most churches in America, I'm going to say in America, this doesn't happen around the world. Because around the world, people are dying for the cause of Christ. We're too timid to share our faith, to share the beliefs that we know are right. And this is what Jesus is teaching his disciples. How to be bold followers of him and, and how to, that they have to understand this sanctity of life. And what destroys that is anger issues within, within people, within Christians. See, Jesus is teaching on unrighteous anger that can lead to murder if gone unchecked. Verse 21, we saw that our anger will lead to hatred. It, it will. It'll lead to, we begin to uh, devalue life. And if, we, if it goes unchecked, to death. Verse 22, we looked at the stages of anger. And again, if left, it, it starts off just, just between you and that person. Private situation. That's why Jesus said, if, if, if you're angry at your brother... One-on-one, go take care of it. Do what you got to do. But too often we think it's the other one's responsibility to come first. But on those stages, if they continue on, then they turn into public slander and all kinds of things. Again, we are devaluing the life that God had made in his own image. And we cannot do that. And so as we look at our text here today, Jesus gives an example of how this anger, if gone unchecked, if gone unforgiven, it's going to affect the person's entire life. And the first thing you got to realize is the first thing that goes with unresolved anger is your relationship with God. You don't lose your salvation, but you lose the intimacy with God. You lose that relationship. And what happens is your worship before God, no matter what your actions may look like, is worthless. It's pathetic before God. And so the worship is the first thing that's affected. And 
Too often here in our text, as we go through verses 23 and 24, many people miss what is being taught here because they don't take verses 21 to 26 as one theme. Jesus is teaching, in fact, this whole, all the way into the chapter is kind of a theme on just really coming to the truth of properly in, uh, interpreting Scripture and what the Bible teaches. And we're seeing here the sanctity of life. Next week, we begin with those next verses, sanctity of the family that God created. But in verse 23 and 24, it says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. So what Jesus is saying here to his disciples is very simply, You're here before God. You're bringing your gift to the altar like you're supposed to. Every Jew knows how to do that. They'd go to the temple. They'd lay their gift there. But then he says, while you're doing that, God's going to bring to your mind, the Holy Spirit's going to bring to your mind that you're at odds with your brother, your sister, another human being. But now, when you look at how it's said there, you remember it says, it says here that your brother has something against you. So, so often we take this and say, well, they obviously did something to hurt me, so, you know. And that's not what this verse is saying. Your brother has something against you. Otherwise, you, me, I'm the one that did something. My anger has caused a rift with my brother. And whose responsibility is it to take care of it? Jesus says, it's yours. Cain, Abel did nothing, but was faithful to God. Cain's anger, because he, did, he wasn't faithful to God, it was the Cain to get his anger in control. It's up to you and I to get our attitudes, our heart, our anger under control and stop hiding behind the guise of self-righteousness, justifying our, right, our, our, our rights. And we need to stop looking at scriptures like this and, and assume that the hurt is, I'm the one that's been hurt. No. We're the ones that have hurt somebody else. And I'm here to tell you, it takes two to tango, all right? It doesn't matter who is as we like to say, at the greater fault. Because you know what? Before God, one sin is just as bad as another. We like to justify and say, well, this sin's worse than that sin, and, and so forth. We don't find that anywhere in God's Word. The Ten Commandments list lying just as high as murder. Okay? We, we got to stop our self-righteousness we got to stop doing these things. 
And we have to, and when the Holy Spirit lays on your heart that you have something against your or your brother has something against you, it doesn't matter what they did. It matters what you did. And God said, You're, I'm holding you responsible for your words, for your actions, or lack of them. That's what's important here. See, this passage is talking about how in our anger we have hurt others, and because of our own selfishness, our own self-righteousness, we have refused to reconcile the wrong we have caused. And it's because we have justified our actions. Now, how many times do we want to justify our actions? Oh, a lot. Well, they did this, which caused me to do that. I don't care. Jesus doesn't care. He says, how you responded was wrong, and, you're, and God says, I'm holding you responsible for what you did. Just like he's holding them responsible for what they did. Our response has to be to God, to what Jesus is leading us to do. And we can't sit there and hold off saying, well, they got to come first. That's what Satan wants to have happen. See, it's in this refusal to be reconciled that takes place in your heart This is why the Holy Spirit of God has brought it to your attention, because it's affecting your worship of God. And he's saying, until you get it right, everything you do before me is of worth, is is, is like filthy rags. Everything. You need to get it right. And what this is doing, if it continues to go on and on and on, what this is doing, it's, it's, it's a, a root of anger and bitterness that is now coming out. And yeah, it may start off between you and one person, but eventually it's going to get worse. That's the stages we saw last week talk about. It's going to get worse. It's not going to be private no more. It's not going to be public. And we're going to ridicule everything that person does. And we, we can't continue down these roads. We need to let reconciliation take effect. You know the one spiritual gift that every Christian has? Everyone has. It's the Holy Spirit in us. And he's a, a God that reconciles. After all, isn't that what they did for us from our sin? Sent Jesus to die for us? Did we deserve it? No. Does this other person deserve your forgiveness? No. But because of the love of Christ in us, we have to give it. Otherwise, what it tends to show us is maybe you're not saved. Maybe the love of Christ isn't in you. Or you may have said a sinner's prayer. You may have been baptized. You may have done all these things. But the love of Christ isn't in you because your refusal to reconcile. Is that the case? If it is, I hope the Holy Spirit of God will convict you deeply about it. 
Because just saying, just because you said the sinner's prayer doesn't mean anything. It's when you believe in your heart. That's when difference is made. Too many in church today have too, have too much of a head knowledge. You see, failing to be reconciled will lead you where you don't want to go. And that's what verse 25, our next verse, talks about. It says, agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver you to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. You know what happens when people go from stage one to stage two in their anger? It becomes public. Well, eventually, if it goes bad enough, in our court, in our, you get sued, you get all kinds of things, it can happen to you. Wow, Jesus said that way back then. He knew it. That's where your anger leads. It breaks up relationships. And if it goes far enough, we even go before the courts. What, what, what Paul said to all the Corinthians, they're busy, they're always out there suing, everyone, suing each other. He said, why, why are you doing that? And we have the Spirit of God in us. We ought to deal with these things ourselves. And so we have to understand who is in the wrong here. I am. Because even though they might have been 99% wrong, my 1% God is holding me accountable for. And if I don't get that taken care of, it's going to continue to grow and to fester. You ever been around a bitter person? How many of you just like to be around those people? You don't. Well, I hope you're not one of them. Because if you're refusing to, be, to, to reconcile, that's where, you're, that's where you're headed. See, it's the one with the uncontrolled anger issues. That's the one that's in the wrong. It's amazing what humble repentance does to both the one who has done the wrong and the one who has been wronged. It's amazing what happens. See, true repentance will gladly give up anything to restore the wrong that was done. When you have wronged someone, are you willing to give up whatever it takes to right that wrong? See, that's true repentance. That's true reconciliation. Good example, simple example. Children's Bible story, Zacchaeus. Now, you want to know how I knew that Zacchaeus obviously was an honorable, good tax collector? He was hated by the Jews, but he doesn't make a difference. He was still an honest Good tax collector. You want to know how I knew that? Because the first thing he did when he, when he, when he recognized Christ and he, he, he became a follower of Jesus, the first thing he is, Lord, half of everything I, I own, I'm giving to the poor. Okay, good. Then he said, and if I've wronged anybody, I will pay fourfold. Well, if he already gave half away, and if he, was a, if he was a constant cheat, 
of everyone he's paying tax, he wouldn't have enough money to pay off that. That tells me he was an honest, good tax collector, although he was hated by the Jews. He just took what was necessary, what was required. But see, he had a willingness that if someone would say, hey, well, you taxed me this, and I don't think I was right. Here, here's four times back. There you go. No questions asked. True reconciliation. See, the problem today in the church today comes from those who operate according to their own flesh and not the Spirit of God. The truth today are those in the church today that don't operate by those things that we talked about here in those first uh, 12 verses, the blessings. See, those are spiritual attitudes that, that, that the Holy Spirit brings in us. You know, blessed are those that mourn. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst. Blessed are they who are merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are they which are persecuted. Blessed are ye when men revile you. Those are spiritual traits that only the Holy Spirit of God can bring and work out in a Christian's life if you allow the Holy Spirit to do it. And the problem today is that so many of us operate in the flesh. And it has made our worship of God null and void, maybe for years. See, anger issues just don't go away over time. No sin just goes away over time. They get worse. They get worse. But you have to understand this. Let me tell you something. Real repentance is not simply saying, I'm sorry. Because most Christians, when it comes to saying, I'm sorry for something, we act like the little kids. Go tell your brother you're sorry. I'm sorry. No, it didn't sound good. Hug him. You know, that's what, we, that's what we do as adults. That's not real repentance. You know what? When you sit, when you sit there and say, you know, I'm sorry that I hurt you. Or I'm sorry I've caused these problems in your life. Folks, that's not repentance. It's not repentance. All that is is merely a deflection trying to avoid full responsibility of what I caused in your life. That's what it is. What it's doing is basically shifting the fault of everything back up on you. Well, I'm sorry I, I, I hurt you. Otherwise, you're saying, that's no, that's no different than me saying, well, you just need to get over it. I, that's who I am. They're saying the same thing. Just one tends to be a little more politically correct. 
Real repentance is what? It must always have one thing attached to it. What is it? Come on. Action. Action. I wish I could answer your questions that easy. (laughs) But action. What was Zacchaeus willing to do? If I have wronged you, I will pay you fourfold. Wow. You borrow someone's lawnmower and you break it down. I'm sorry, broke. Here you go. I'm so sorry about that. Is that real repentance? No, it's not. You know what happens? Doggone it. Yeah, this is an old lawnmower. Ready to break down anyway, but well, here, here's, your, here's your lawnmower that broke. I'm sorry about this. Here's a brand new one out of the box. Now, is that real repentance? Yeah. You want something to happen next time? You want to borrow my lawn? You want you, you want to borrow my car? <laughs> you know? It's amazing what real repentance does. It costs us something. It's amazing the world understands this, but the church doesn't. Real repentance costs us something. See, we have to acknowledge that the offense was mine. And in no way, by apologizing, do we shift the blame off of myself. If I'm 1% wrong, I am fully, I am so sorry of, of how I said this and what it did. Here, what can I do to make up for this? To show you, well, you need to apologize to the people that were around me at the same time. Okay, good. Let's gather them together. I will do that. All the time. I'm only 1% wrong. You, you did a whole bunch more, but I don't care. I'm about me, what I did wrong. And they, they never even bring it in about their fault because it's It's mine. So many times, oh, I apologize, but, and they want to add two little words. If you've got to add two little words to an apology, you're being a hypocrite. Well, I am so sorry what I did. But you know if, add that if or that but in there. That's not, that's not genuine apology. That's not, there's no real Repentance. We have to take full responsibility for our words, full responsibility for our actions without any deflection and be willing to pay whatever they ask you to pay. Jesus said, if someone has a fault against you and, 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 you, and they want your, your shirt, all right, give them the coat too. They want a pound of flesh, we'll take another pound off of this side. True repentance. True repentance. And I'm here to tell you, if, something's, if what's been taking place has been going on between two people or, or for a long time, then yeah, I guarantee you both sides are wrong. Both sides have said something, but all you can focus on is what you did. 
God's dealing with them. If they don't want to, they don't want to get their life right, that's up to them. We can't try to force it out of them, just like they could never try to force it out of us. See, this is something the Holy Spirit does in us. And so we can't wait for the other one to, to go first. The time to do this is now. While our verse there says, while you are in the way with them. See, Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down upon your wrath. You want to know why? An easy way to look at it is if your anger is righteous or not. And 99% of the time, our anger is not. Because we, we let it go on day after day after day. If we are truly repentant, we will take care of it before the sun goes down. Literally. Matthew 18, 20, 18 verse 15 says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If shall hear thee, that you've, you've gained your brother. Get things resolved quickly. Holy Spirit brings, this person has something against you. All right, Lord, what, what did I do? Oh, and I said this, or I did that. Get it right. Get it right. See, reconciliation is not about telling someone what they did wrong. It's all about confessing what you have done wrong to those you've hurt through your anger. We need to get it right, folks. Because failing to do so is going to bring about dire consequences. As our last verse says, verse 26 of our text, Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Sin will take you places where you don't want to go. It'll cost you far more than you ever wanted to pay to the point of even your life. Because there will come a point in your life when God says, you know, you're of no more worth to me here, let's come on home. And that's what he was doing with the church in Corinth, in Corinth taking some of them home. And he still does that today. We need to repent. We need to seek reconciliation above all else. Because then, and only then, God is able to use us in a very dynamic way. And it's amazing what happens when a child of God truly repents and reconciles with a brother or a sister. And you see it in how they respond. Some may take advantage of it. Oh, right, that's fine. You need this, it's yours. but it's always the right thing to do. Let's stand and pray. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, visit our website at gbcak.org.